God has given us stories in the Bible. We are wired for stories, okay? And it's why there are so many books, why there are so many movies. And Because we love, anybody here not love a good story? No, we all love good stories. And so this is the story of Jesus from the perspective of Dr. Luke. Luke uh, uh, was a uh, doctor. He uh, originally, we hear of him that he was from Antioch. He was a companion of Paul. And he wrote this book about 60 A.D., about 30 years after Jesus' death. And um, I can imagine that as he wrote it that, that people were getting older, you know, and people then didn't live till 60, 70, 80. They lived till maybe 60 or 68. I think David lived till he was about 68. You know, so they didn't live as long as, as we live today. So I'm sure there was an urgency in writing things down. And Luke starts out his gospel, unlike any other, he says, for as much, and this is Luke 1, chapter, verse 1, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which were which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So this book was written to one person. It was written to Theophilus, as was the book of Acts. It was written to Theophilus, and it was written with a very specific purpose. Luke wanted to establish Theophilus in the faith. And it says that right here in those last verses, in order to write unto thee that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. He wrote it from the beginning to the end. Actually, he didn't write it. These stories, um, he says, and he, he says, as many, in the very first verse, he says, many have taken forth Many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things that are most surely believed among us. And they delivered them unto us. So maybe somebody was helping Luke. The scripture doesn't say. History doesn't say. But he took things that were where he had eyewitnesses. And he took accounts from eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Okay, So it's most likely as you go through the book of Luke, you want to, you want to think and think and say, who are the eyewitnesses here? You know? Who are they? And as we go through the first chapter, we're going to lay a good foundation in the first and second and third chapters. Then we're going to, the speed kind of picks up as we accelerate a little bit. But, um, but anyway, um, the, uh, he took accounts from uh, witnesses and ministers of the word. That's why I think that some parts are missing. You say, how come in the book of Luke there's no mention of the wedding feast at Cana? There's no mention of uh, the Good Samaritan in other places, but it is mentioned in Luke. There's no mention of the woman at the well in, uh, in Luke. And so I'm not sure why, you know, other than that the Holy Spirit uh, had a hand in writing this book. Luke says in verse 3, it says, Having had perfect understanding in all things from the very first. Well, he didn't. He wasn't there. He didn't have a perfect understanding of all things from the very first but someone else did, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knew of these things. And so ask yourself as we go through this, who was the eyewitness in chapter 1? Okay, I'll ask you that question in a minute. If you have a question, by the way, raise your hand. I'm happy to stop. I'm going fast, but I will stop, and I will answer your question, or maybe Eston Road answer your question, <laughs> or Steve Milstead or somebody else. <laughs> 
So, all right, without further ado, let's just take and read a good portion of the first chapter here. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now there was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and orders and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I don't know about you, but there's no other place in Scripture where someone has taken and has that particular accolade from the Lord, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They loved God, both um, both Zacharias and his wife. And you also notice, too, the detail of Luke. He made sure that you knew that uh, Zacharias was of the course of Abia, so I think that meant that he was a Levite, and that his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, the descendant of Aaron. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while they executed, the, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. It usually happens in the scriptures when people see angels, they fear, they're afraid. Except for Mary. Mary didn't seem afraid of the angel. She was just afraid of what he said, which was pretty dramatic. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And, and the angel is actually, in verse 17, is quoting uh, from Malachi verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, almost the very end of the book of Malachi, which they hadn't heard from the Lord in almost 400 years. And now the angel is quoting from Malachi that uh, the forerunner of Christ was here. You know, Zacharias and Elizabeth were John the Baptist's parents. And if you didn't catch it before, it said that they were well-stricken in years. That meant that they were really old. The only place in the Bible that talks about somebody who's well-stricken in years is Abraham and Sarah. He was 100 and she was 90. So, <clears throat> now, this is a, always an interesting discourse here. This is the dumbest question ever asked in the Bible, okay? But you got to, you know, it's kind of fearful being had this huge angel. I assume he was huge. He was standing at the right hand and he, was, he said, don't be afraid. The angel Gabriel said, don't be afraid. But he was huge. I think he was huge. 
Anyway, in my mind's eye, he was huge. I don't know, but he was fearsome. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. Well, duh, she's going to have a baby. You'll figure it out. <laughs> and the angel answered and said to him, Gabriel did not appreciate his answer, by the way. And some commentators say that he was asking for a sign. Well, he'd already had a sign, you know. And uh, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be, be, be performed because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And so, uh, and they were actually filled on the very day that those things were to be performed. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he, they probably thought he might have had a heart attack or something. And, and when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that they, he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass, as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed uh, to his own house. So, and uh, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. You know, to not have to be childless in those days was a tremendous reproach. It's like you did something wrong, and she had endured that almost all of, her, all of her life. And then she said that the Lord would take away her, her reproach from among men. So just to summarize, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias and uh, as we'll find their son, John, they were famous. I mean, they didn't have cell phones back then, nor did they, nor did they have telegraphs, nor did, uh, and, but they did write things down, and they did talk to one another. And, you know, can you imagine, even today, what if a 100-year-old and a 90-year-old had a baby? Can you imagine that? It's a little hard to imagine everybody's shaking their heads. Y'all can't see, but I can see. Shaking their heads, say, man, that is just, that is impossible. And that was, the, that was the idea. So John, they knew that John the Baptist was going to be special, you know, because of, because of the situation, because of his parents. So that's story one. So that, we're going to put that story one on back burner for a few minutes. And so we're going to shift to story two. And uh, fast forward, uh, in about the sixth month of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy, uh, Gabriel was sent, Gabriel again, the one who spoke to Zacharias in the temple from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was, whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. No, she wasn't troubled by his presence. She was troubled by what he said. And, um, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Think of the the Lord's Prayer was where Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, Christ, as we'll learn, was about the kingdom. That's why he was here. That's why, um, and we'll talk about some of those things a little bit later. 
but he would reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be? Right um, in the middle of chapter 1. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And that's also a good principle for us to grab onto as well, that with God, nothing is impossible, you know. And uh, God hears our prayers, and God answers our prayers. You know, he said to Zacharias in the beginning, I didn't point it out, but he said, the angel said to him, thy prayer is heard, you know. And how long ago had he stopped praying? Or maybe he never stopped praying, I don't know. But uh, he said, the angel said, thy prayer is heard. And so, you know, with God, we all have impossible things, things that we think are impossible yet, but with God, they are possible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know, she didn't ask a question like Zacharias answered. She just said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. So... Story, that's the second story that we have going on. Now, those two stories will come together here. Mary visits Elizabeth. And Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into a city of Judea. Most, most likely Hebron, but, but maybe not. It's a city of Judea up in the mountains. But she arose, she went with haste. She went quickly. I think she was maybe curious. Is Elizabeth really expecting? You know, I don't know that she knew that or not. You know, you don't know. But she arose with haste. She rose quickly and went to see Zacharias and Elizabeth and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted uh, Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. Now, Jesus was not very old when this happened, maybe a couple weeks, because she said she went with haste and the angel talked to her. So maybe he wasn't very old at all. But, um, but the babe in Elizabeth's womb, who was John the Baptist, knew that. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which her told her. From the Lord. And then we have Mary's song of praise and, and adoration. And then uh, the scriptures tell us in verse 56 that uh, Mary abode with her about three months and returned and returned to her own house. And that's where she probably spoke to Joseph and told him what was happening, and he thought secretly to put her away, as, as Matthew says. So now we have the birth of John the Baptist from verses 57. Uh, to 65 and uh, where uh, he was born and the neighbors and the friends all say his mother said his name is John they said there's nobody in your family with the name of John and uh, but and then they asked his father and he said his name is John and immediately his tongue was loosed and he began to praise and honor and glorify God and it says in verse 65 and fear came on all that dwelt round about them and all these sayings were noised abroad through all the hill country of Judea. See, the word got out, you know. And they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord uh, was with him. 
And then we have the uh, prophecy of Zechariah uh, that goes to the end of chapter 1. Luke has long chapters, if you didn't, if you didn't guess that. He spends over 100 verses on, on, on the birth of John the Baptist and Mary, more than any of the other, other writers and all the details. you figure out who the eyewitness is yet? Who? Yes, Mary. She was the only one there for all of these events, you know. And yes, it was Mary. Mary's the eyewitness. And so we um, see again where uh, John the Baptist would take and fulfill his father prophesied, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give the knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. And that's Malachi 1, 3, 1, and uh, Isaiah 40, verse 3. And it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert, uh, till his, till his showing unto Israel, and uh, it also he also outlined here the the prophecy about Christ through the tender mercies of our God, whereby the day spring, which was a name for Christ, from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet unto the way of peace. So we have the birth of Jesus, and I think we're all pretty familiar. We're going to chapter two now. And we're picking up speed as we go here. We have the birth, and we have to really get going. <laughs> the birth of Jesus and uh, the shepherds and the angels and uh, where Jesus is dedicated in the temple. Luke makes sure to tell us it was on the eighth day. And um, Luke is very detailed in many things that he, that he writes. And he picks up on even the, the small things. And uh, so his parents offered a pair of turtle doves, which meant that they were probably very poor, and uh, we talk about the talks here about the blessing of Simeon and the blessing of Anna, and uh, who was uh, in the temple for a, over 80 years. And then they returned to Nazareth, to Nazareth. And it talks about Jesus, and it says, "And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him." How would you like to have Jesus in your house? <laughs> it would be. He was probably the, he was the ideal child. He never sinned. And he always was trying to be as he was in life. He always tried to be a blessing to others. And now we fast forward almost 12 years to where we see Jesus in the temple. And of course, I think we most of us know the story where his parents left without him. They were in a group of people, probably family members, and they just thought he was over with playing with all of his cousins and things like that, where he was actually in the temple talking to the doctors and the lawyers and asking them questions and, and them asking him questions as well. Maybe would like to have known what questions he asked them, but the scripture doesn't tell us. And um, they were, and it says that, uh, and so they found him and uh, they, were, they were very distraught, obviously, because they thought that he was 12 years old. They have to remember that Herod had tried to kill him once and killed all the children uh, from two years old and younger. So he had tried to kill him once, and they thought, can you imagine? They probably thought that maybe they've got him, you know, and realize who he is. But he was just in the temple. And Jesus increased in wisdom, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Okay, we'll move on to, to chapter 3. And... Um, it says, in the word, and in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being, 
Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor in Judea and Herod being tetriarch in Galilee, his brother Philip, uh, tetriarch, da-da-da, and then Ananias and Sapphira and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. For it is written in the book of Elias, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough way shall be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And so John uh, took and baptized, uh, baptized and had his ministry and uh, his ministry um, came to a kind of a screeching halt when Herod took and put him in prison for telling him that it was not right for him to have his brother's, his brother's wife. And then we have, it seems like a little out of order, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Now it says, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus, we're at uh, verse uh, 21 here, that Jesus uh, being baptized uh, and praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended bodily in the bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And the next thing that we have as we go along is uh, the genealogy of Jesus. There are two genealogies of Jesus. I think everybody knows that. But the one in Matthew is his legal genealogy through his father. And actually, the uh, line, the godly, the line runs through, almost said godly line, but it's really not quite correct. But the line runs through King Solomon. The legal line runs through King Solomon. And there's a reason why it doesn't, doesn't the physical line doesn't run through Solomon, but that's another story. But here, the, the physical line runs through Nathan. Nathan is the, uh, uh, Solomon's older brother. There were four, brother, four sons born to Bathsheba. The first one was the one who died. The second one, I don't know his name. The third one was Nathan, and the fourth one was Solomon. And so the, the physical line to Christ runs through, uh, through Nathan, actually. And it goes all the way back to Adam. And why do you think, anybody have any idea why it goes back to Adam? Any ideas? Go ahead. Guesses are... And that's true. <laughs> but there's a reason why he goes back to Adam, I think, anyway. Because of the, yes, yes, because of the promise. It says in uh, Genesis uh, 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and, and thou shalt bruise its, his heel. So, and, uh, so that's why I think that it went all the way back to the original, all the way back there. In this particular in this particular genealogy, so that's the uh, and there's reasons why they took and kept the genealogies too. But that's for another another day. <laughs> so, and then we come to chapter four. We're picking up speed here a little bit, I think. Um, come to chapter four, and um, here uh, we read that uh, where the devil tempts Jesus, and uh, most of these temptations would not tempt us today wouldn't tempt us because command these stones to be made in bread no problem I can't do that I don't but Jesus could 
You know, he probably had, he most likely had the power to make the stones turn to bread. And uh, the temptation uh, where he would uh, take and to, to give, uh, he said, um, where he brought him to Jerusalem. Let's see here if I'm in the right spot. Um, I was looking for the place where it said, uh, oh, here it is. It says, and the devil taking him up unto a high mountain, this is chapter 4, verse 5, um, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me and all, all shall be thine. Now, wouldn't... You know, for Jesus, that would be a tremendous temptation because, you know, the scriptures in the psalm says that his delights were in the sons of men. Jesus loved the, loved the descendants of Adam and Eve, you know, so much that he, that he gave himself for us. And um, the, uh, so it would have been a temptation for him, but maybe not for, for us, you know. But it was certainly a temptation for him, I think. And so that's the temptation of Jesus. And then uh, we turn the next story. We see Jesus at Nazareth, his hometown, you know. And so it says he took and he asked for the scrolls and he read the scroll. In verse 18, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And uh, if you listen to what uh, the, the people uh, said, they said they, were, they marveled at the wondrous words that came from his ears. And today Jesus said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Probably his first declaration that he was the, the Messiah. And, but the people said in verse 22 at the bottom, they said, is this not Joseph's son? You know, and they didn't believe it. They didn't have. They didn't have the faith. Jesus always looks for faith, as you'll see in the later, in some of the later things, uh, the healings. that said, "Thy faith has made thee whole." But he always looks for faith, and so he uh, kind of made him mad, but uh, because he told them that uh, he talked to and pointed to two Gentiles, the the widow at Seraphath, and um, and also the. Uh, also, uh, Naaman uh, the Syrian. Remember the story about Naaman the Syrian? You know, he had leprosy, and uh, he was told to go see the prophet Elijah. And Elijah didn't even come out and talk to him. He just had his servant come out and say, go wash in the, in the Jordan River. And Naaman's his response was kind of funny. He said, why should I go and wash in the muddy Jordan, you know, when I can go to one of the crystal springs of Syria? But he said... But he went, and he washed in the muddy Jordan, and he was healed of his leprosy and um, because of his faith. And it says, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Because he had just used two Gentile, uh, Gentiles to point out their lack of, their lack of faith. And they were, they were going to throw him over the hill, and, uh, but, he went, uh, but he went his way. And then... Um, we see here in the next, next verse, uh, verses, it says, the ma a man with an unclean spirit. And uh, it says, and he came down to Capernaum. Well, it actually is down to Capernaum. Nazareth is about uh, 1,450 feet or so. And Capernaum is at sea level or below sea level on the Sea of Galilee. 
And so uh, he was right when he said we were going to go down. The Jesus, he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And uh, there Jesus took and uh, healed a man with an unclean spirit. And uh, in verse 36, and they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What word is this? What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits. And they came out. And the fame of him went out into every place in the country round about. And uh, so Jesus had begun his ministry. He was in Capernaum. And one of the most amazing things here was is that uh, in verse 40 of uh, chapter 4, it says, Now when the sun was setting, and all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. You know, we have lots of incidents of healing in, this, in, the, in the accounts of the Gospels, but that's not all of them. That not, it's not even, it's probably a fraction of the people that were, heal, that were healed. And again, we'll see it if I, if I pick it up when I see it, but he would come to a city and it said, and he healed them all. So there were probably, I mean, if you want to be conservative, there were probably thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people that Jesus healed. And he did it in broad daylight you know we know some of the ones and we have some of the ones here but uh but it was but it was an amazing thing you know his life was an amazing life there's never been anyone before him like him and there's never been anyone after him you know if he were to do just 50 if there were just 50 things that he did it's a statistical impossibility uh that it can be done 50 of the of the miracles you know 50 of the where on the cross where he died and things like that. But there are probably more than uh, 350 actual ones and maybe in the thousands of other ones. And we'll talk about some of those as we go along, if I can pick them up. But um, anyway, so he healed them all. And it was an amazing life that, he, that Jesus lived. And then he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. And now we're into uh, chapter 5, okay, and where Jesus takes and calls his disciples and uh, this is one of my favorite pictures or favorite stories. And it says here in verse 3, it says, He entered into the ships, one of the ships was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. I love this part. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. And the rest, is, they caught more than they could fill their boat with or fill two boats with. And they were filled so full that they began to sink. And Peter's response to that was, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, for they were astonished at the drops that they had taken. And Jesus told them, he said, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And they brought their ships to land, and they forsook all and followed him. You know, and maybe, you know... Uh, you know, we should think about that for us, too. You know, that, uh, you know, Jesus said, you know, that he would make them fishers of men. You know, we ought to be fishers for people. I, you know, I like actually talking to this group because, you know, we have more connections than probably any, any, some others, you know, those in the younger group. You know, we have like, probably each of us have at least 200 people that we know through the years and people that we minister to and visit with and things like that. You know, and so we can be salt and light to those people. We can tell them about the gospel, about Jesus. About our, we can tell our children about them too, as well. 
So we have uh, Jesus cleanses a leper here. And uh, I think the remarkable thing in, in, in verse 5, verse 14, it says, um, And he put forth his hand and touched him. I will thou be clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. It's, to touch a leper is very, you can catch leprosy by touching them. But he, he reached out his hand and he touched him. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then the next thing we have is where he heals the paralytic. This is somebody who, who, doesn't, who can't move their arms or legs. And, uh, you know, he's always coming into conflict with the Pharisees if he healed on Sunday, you know. And I'm not sure if that's the case here or not, actually. But he said, well, he said this. This could get him. In, he said, man, thy sins are forgiven. And they knew that the only person that could forgive sins was God. And so, um, and, and, they, and the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but, but God alone? And uh, when Jesus perceived their hearts, he said, Why reason ye in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But, thou, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick, said, I say unto thee, Rise and take up thy couch and go to thy house. Immediately he rose up before them and took the bed that he laid on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. So that was kind of an exciting uh, part there. So hopefully we'll pick up a little more speed here. And uh, so, and uh, then they had questions concerning fasting. We're in chapter 6 now. So we're in chapter 6, and we have uh, the man with the, with the withered hand. And I just like this, this part here where Luke made sure to tell you that it was his right hand. Not just a withered hand, it was his right hand. And so uh, I thought that was, that was pretty neat. And then we have Jesus chooses the twelve, and he ministers to a great, uh, a great multitude of those who were vexed with unclean spirits. If you notice in verse 19, 619, it says, And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and healed them all. So he was thronged by a great multitude, and he healed them all. So next we have the, uh, the uh, part here where it's called the Sermon on the Plain with the blessings and woes. It corresponds to Matthew uh, chapter 5 and uh, talks about uh, many of the same things that are in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. There Many of these are the same, but they're just a little bit different too. you know. And he emphasizes love your enemies, do good to those who despitefully use you. And uh, talked about judging others, talking about the good tree bearing, bringing forth good fruit um, and talks about two foundations, about the foundation of sand and the foundation of the rock. And then um, that brings us to chapter 7 and where he takes and heals uh, the centurion's uh, servant. And uh, Jesus said this about the centurion. Again, he looked for faith. He said, I say unto you, I have not, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And they uh, that were sent returned to the house and found the servant whole that had been sick. And uh, here, the next one we have is the raising of the widow's son at Nan. And uh, I'm not quite sure where Nan is, but it, she was a widow, and this was probably her only son. And, um, and, and he had died. And so, um, you know, one of the things that the prophecy was is that Jesus would heal the brokenhearted, 
as you go through here, you'll see, as we go through, we'll see some of the, the people that were broken hearted. You know, the widow at Nan certainly was. Her heart was broken. She lost her son, and, uh, which, who Jesus raised from the dead. And uh, he just said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered over to his mother. And fear, and there came fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, what a great prophet has risen up among us, that God hath visited, God hath visited his people. And this rumor went of him through, throughout all Judea and throughout all the regions round about. And then we have Jesus where he talked about uh, John the Baptist and uh, who John the Baptist was. And, um, and he said this of John the Baptist, For I say unto you, among those that were born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And we see where we had the woman then, towards the end of this chapter, who took and uh, who wiped her, his feet with uh, her hair, and uh, his guest, uh, Simon, his, his host, Simon, said to him, Seest thou this woman, woman, Jesus said? I entered into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman... Since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet and my head with and my head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said to her, Thy sins are forgiven. <laughs> And they that sat at meat with him began to say unto themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Pretty cool. All right, we're in chapter 8 here. And I guess so. In chapter 8, we see the parable of the sower. We see Jesus, and it was prophesied that Jesus, or spoken, it says in uh, Psalm 78, 2, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. So you see, Jesus, as he taught in parables, was fulfilling Scripture. All along here as we go, he's fulfilling Scripture. And we have the parable of the sower, and we have the explanation of the, par of the parable of the sower. And then he talks about light not being hidden, and uh, that companion verse is Matthew 5 16 5 17 that says um, it says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven and uh, in the latter part of this here is where we see Jesus calm the storm and uh, it said they said let us go into the other side of the lake and they launched forth but as they sailed he fell asleep and there came down a sudden storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and in jeopardy. That is actually true. That is called, I, I want to say Scirocco wind, but I'm not sure. But there is a particular wind on the Sea of Galilee. There's mountains to the west. And when the wind comes, it comes down and creates tremendous waves on the, on the Sea of Galilee. And that's a, that's a known phenomenon that happens there. And uh, they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they, they ceased, and the disciples uh, said, um, and Jesus said to them, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered and said to one another, what manner of man is this? 
He commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. You know, again, it was said in Psalm 70, uh, Psalm 89.9, Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. You know, pretty cool, you know. Who is this man? Who, who is, who, what manner of man is this? For even the wind and the waves obey him. And next we have the gathering demonic where, uh, where we can see him. And, uh, and a man who wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus told him no. He said, I return to thy own house and show how great a things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great of things Jesus had done for him. He had quite a testimony. <laughs> he had heard a lot of I think he'd, he, was, he was quite a wild man, to say the, to say the least. And then uh, next we have the raising of Jairus' uh, daughter, and, they, uh, and also in there the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years who just thought he would just touch the, the, the edge of his garment. And, and she did, and she was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? And, Jesus, and all the disciples go, what do you mean who touched you? You're surrounded with hundreds of people here. Who touched And so uh, he said, no, somebody touched me. Virtue went out from me. And so the woman came, and he restored the woman and, and um, told her that her faith had made her whole. Um, and so, um, and to go in peace. She was an outcast. She was another one who was brokenhearted. She couldn't, go to, she couldn't go to synagogue. She couldn't be in any, because she was unclean. She was like a leper almost. Not quite the same, but, uh, but, but she, there are many things that she couldn't do. That's why she spent all her money on physicians trying to get healed and things like that. And, uh, so, and we have the healing of Jairus' daughter here, uh, the raising actually of her from the dead. The, the professional mourners laughed Jesus to scorn. Can you imagine? Laughed him to scorn. And he just took the... Uh, Peter, James, and John, and, uh, and her parents in with her, and he just said, made arise, and she did. Okay, we got to verse chapter 9 here. <laughs> we don't have too much time, but we'll go, we'll go quickly here. But uh, so, in chapter 9, um, it talks about where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Peter's confession, uh, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The transfiguration. Who are the eyewitnesses in the transfiguration? Anybody know? Eyewitnesses of the transfiguration? Of course they were. Peter, James, and John. Yeah. They're kind of sleepy eyewitnesses. <laughs> they fell asleep. But, um, but anyway. And um, so we have the transfiguration here. And I'm going through these quickly, but I would encourage you to, to read them. As you go home this afternoon, take and read the, read the scriptures. And you'll see a whole lot more than I'm covering here. And, uh, and uh, things, so, um, and there's here also in, in chapter 9, the Samaritan village that received, refused to see Jesus because he, say he was going to Jerusalem. And uh, so in chapter 10, we see where Jesus sends out the 70 and uh, their return. And Jesus said of them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from the heavens. And uh, so that's the key thing in chapter 10. The uh, story uh, of the Good Samaritan, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. But there's no, that story is not anywhere else in Scripture other than right here in Luke. And uh, neither is the story about visiting Mary and Martha when he took and visited her. And Martha said, uh, Jesus said to Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. 
And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. All right, chapter 11 uh, talks about, uh, I would love to take time to explain this, but I don't have time. But it says where Jesus talks to the Pharisees. And one of the things that they did was they blamed his, they took and said, you cast out demons by the prince of the demons, by Beelzebub. And Jesus argued with them and, and told them, gave them a really good argument. And uh, comes that well, anyway, I really want to, but anyway, it comes down to this. And I, and I, think, I'm, I think that I'm right on that. It says, uh, Jesus said, uh, he told them that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And um, you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, who do your sons cast them out? He asked them a question. If I cast them out, why who, what about your sons? Who do they cast them out by? You know, and, and I think because there were so many demons in Israel, I think the answer is, is they didn't. That's why they would be their, that's this is, and they shall be your judges. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. So, okay. Um, that is verse chapter 11. And there are many other things in there, uh, but I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to move on to chapter 12. <laughs> and um, it talks about here, we talk about the prosperous farmer, uh, uh, about laying up riches for yourself, and where Christ warns uh, about uh, being anxious. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall eat. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment, in chapter 22? You know, God takes care of us. God takes really good care of all of us, you know. He says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which all, transcends all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so let's move on to chapter 13 here. I've got three minutes to go. And then, I'll, and then I'm just going to have to stop. You, get, you have the notes. You can read the notes and follow along. You can just take your Bible and open it and read uh, the book of Luke. There are many good and wonderful things here. Uh, we have where he healed the crippled woman on the Sabbath who had had an infirmity for 18 years. And that is prophesied in Scripture. I challenge you to find it. If you don't find it, then you can ask me next week. <laughs> many of these are in our answers to Scripture here. And um, the, uh, here we have uh, where Jesus uh, takes in the great banquet in uh, chapter 14. And after the great banquet, then uh, in 15, he begins to talk about the kingdom. Chapter 15, the lost coin, the lost son. That's the only place uh, in the scriptures where the prodigal son is mentioned is here in the book of Luke. And the lost coin. And also in chapter 16, the parable of the unrighteous servant. And, uh, and he talks about the rich man and Lazarus in chapter 16. And chapter 17, um, he talks about always forgiving. And uh, forgiving is the lifeblood of a Christian in a sense. You know, we have to forgive. You know, uh, John, and I can't remember where this is, but it says, Beware lest any root of bitterness springing up cause you trouble, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness is something that grows. And so... We have, because we are forgiven by Christ, you know, on the cross, he told them, you know, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do, you know. 
And so we, as Christians, have the ability to forgive. You know, forgive us our, we say every week, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. Uh, how's it go? <laughs> forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or in another place it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass, who trespass against us, you know. And, uh, and Jesus emphasized it over and over again. He said, if you uh, come to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. That was a costly thing to do. I mean, you might have to leave a steer there, walk 100 miles and come back. Leave your offering there before, and it was embarrassing too, I'm sure. Leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. Always, always forgive. And that's what they're talking about here. It said, if your brother trespasses against you, in verse 3, rebuke him. And if he uh, repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn against thee to say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said, I love the apostles' response. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. This is a hard thing to do. And if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this tree, move, and it would be plucked up by the root and planted in the sea. But the key thing is, is forgive. And so um, I am going to stop there. We made it to verse cha- to chapter 17 uh, fairly quickly. I would have loved to have done the cross and uh, talk about that, talk about the cross. But you'll have to, you'll have to read it on your own. And, uh, you know, I, I like uh, the very last part uh, here. The disciples didn't get it right away, even though Jesus told them that he would be raised from the dead. But, um, you know, the, uh, in the very last, I just don't have time to do it, but in the last part on the road to Emmaus, the, you know, he took and explained to them who he was from the scriptures. For probably, it was about 60 furlongs, which is about four miles for so a couple hours. He explained to them through from the scriptures who he was from starting the beginning and through the prophets and Moses. And I would have loved to have been there, you know. Yes, ma'am. Um, I know from chapter 18 there's a reference to Billy Graham. Can you quickly tell us about He prayed he had a friend that he prayed for for many for 40 years. And I don't know if that friend ever came to know Christ. And I had that uh, there uh, because I was thinking. Uh, that uh, one of the examples is in chapter 18 is that God answers persistent prayer. You know, as we, as we take, and, and that's the whole point of that, of that parable, is the woman uh, who took and knocked at the door for the judge, the unjust judge, and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't come out. He said, no. I, but he said, just because she kept knocking, he decided he came, he came out to see her <laughs> and did what she has. <laughs> You're welcome. So... I'm going to stop there. You would need to stop. So thank you very much. If you have any questions, I'll hang around for a little bit. I don't guarantee that I can't ask them. You can ask them. We have a lot of godly guys here, uh, you know, Bruce and, and Tim and Jim and, and Don and, and this side of the room too. <laughs> Father, thank you for the time together. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word, how it speaks to our hearts. And Father, we're reminded that Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And here's where we learn of you, where we see the things that you've done. And Lord, help us to tell others the good news. Help us to be salt and light wherever we go. And I pray for each person here that they would be salt and light wherever they go and whatever they do. May we love you with all of our heart and walk in your ways. And thank you and pray that you be with us in the service now. In Jesus' name, amen.
I didn't get a sip of coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, man. I just had a couple questions yes, on, on the uh, setting things up yes. for, for that. Yes. How, how does that happen? Is it, are there, are HDMI. HDMI. Oh, it's an HDMI. HDMI. Do you have an Apple? Or, yeah, I do. Okay. I, I have the connector for it. Do you? Uh-huh. I do. I have the connector for it. I have a connection for a... Uh, Video, uh, whatever, uh, screen or whatever. Uh, yeah, a, a projector. Well, Do you yeah, have a projector? I, I have one of those projectors, but I don't, I don't have an HDMI on my uh, But it has another kind of plug. It's it, an Apple, right? It is an Apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I, I, have another one. I have one. I, I'll bring it. Okay. I just have to remember to bring it. Yeah, um, that's that's the harder part than anything, just remembering to bring it. But it and I, but it connects to the HDMI and connects to the. It's an Apple thing. Okay. All right. So and it and it connects right up. Right. You you can do whatever you want. I didn't use the screen today. I just couldn't. Right, right. I just no, couldn't. I had just worked on it, so I was like, oh. I just I couldn't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. This I didn't know how to do so much. With yeah. A, that's why I, I was. That's why I wanted. I hope it comes on. It's weird. It doesn't look as big from the back of the room. But it, it it, yeah, well, you, well, thank you for teaching. I appreciate it. So that's it. in two weeks. That's in two I, weeks. I won't be here next week. I'll be Thanks in advance. How's that?